right, so I get to take the counterpoint that it's all about clinical uh, effects. I think you'll find that John and I have more common ground, and we'll discuss that in the, in the after, because we've always got the feedback. The debates leave people confused, and we'll talk about what we really do. But for the purpose of the debate, I'm going to say that clinical remission is all that really matters in IBD. Now, you may wonder, well, I, I counted, actually, even before John got up on stage, 19 times, 19 times today was said, it's all about mucosal healing, it's all about mucosal healing. So why would the co-chair take the position that it's clinical remission, right? I'm doomed to fail. Well, that's because I'm not saying saying that iMedics got hacked. I'm not saying that, but I want to prove there's no collusion, there never was any collusion, and that's why I'm taking <laughs> clinical remission. And luckily, with my bigly brain, I'll be able to prove this point once and for all for all of you. Okay, so my disclosures. But the real disclosure for the purpose of this talk is that this year, in the span of 90 days, I married off two children. And, and um, my, thank you. And my son, the groom, now left his high-paying consulting job to decide to apply to medical school, not in the year when he could have gotten to NYU for free, it's going to be next year when he doesn't have a prayer to get to NYU. So you may say I'm biased towards the fact that everyone needs an endoscopy. I don't know what you know about traditional Jewish weddings, but anyone who forget a chromosome, if you share a strand of DNA with them, they're invited to the wedding and they all come. So everyone needs endoscopy. But what we're really talking about here is treat to target and what is the right target. And John wants to argue it's, it's endoscopic remission. And I'm going to talk about clinical remission. So, of course, I'm an endoscopist, all gastroenterologists are, but we all recognize there are some drawbacks, some of which John already highlighted. Um, it's invasive, it's poorly accepted by patients, and it only examines the mucosa, not the deeper layers of the bowel, and especially in Crohn's disease, where we know it's a transmural disease, or you're being schnookered because all the world's a nail, and we have the hammer, that being a colonoscope, and if it looks good to me, it must be good, and we just... Um, preaching to ourselves and making ourselves feel better. We recognize in pediatrics it doesn't look at growth, which is probably one of our biggest uh, um, outcome measures. It doesn't look at extraintestinal manifestations, all sorts of things, right? So it is a piece of evidence, mucosal healing, but that is all that it is. It's part of the story. There are also additional issues with endoscopy. Which definition of mucosal healing? So I will say up front, I'm here to praise mucosal healing, not to bury it. Um, but it's a problem. Maybe it's like pornography, right? The famous definition of pornography. I can't really define it, but I know it when I see it. So what is mucosal healing? I don't know, but I know it when I see it. Is that actually our best endpoint? Um, and are we talking about mucosal improvement versus healing? Because that's become, even uh, according to regulators and, and, and uh, marketing and, and, P and the package insert, a big difference between improvement versus healing versus healed. Um, how often? Should we just send our patients home with a colonoscope and tell them to insert and, and extract on a daily basis? How often should we really be looking? When is it most important to do? And, and, and we're all about colonoscopy. What about patients with mid-small bowel disease? What about patients with 20 centimeters of disease that I may not be able to get to. So does everyone have to swallow a capsule and get a colonoscopy on a regular basis? And are we, again, just because we're endoscopists and, if, and, and I know what I look at, so if it looks good to me, it must be good. But is that really the right endpoint? What about histologic healing? Why aren't we talking about normalizing the cytokine profile in the tissue and that a biopsy should be normal? Why are we so happy with just because it looks good through an Olympus or a Pentax or, or, a, um, or a scope? And, you know, nothing, there is no such thing as a free lunch. This is the Bicori data looking at multiple centers across the United States, almost a 7.8% 7 
percent hospitalization rate after pediatric colonoscopy. So it's, it doesn't come for free. And so like anything that we look at, we have to look at the risk-benefit ratio. How good is it really? Um, and is it really worth the risk and the cost of the, of the assessment? So I, I'm surprised John didn't throw up this slide. I was waiting for it. So this is always the type of slide we see when we talk about C. Look at how many patients and how poorly the endoscopy correlates with the clinical symptoms. John did allude to that. But always, again, it's the endoscopist who is saying, you see, you didn't match up my endoscopy. Well, the clinician could just as easily say to the endoscopist, your endoscopy didn't match up to my clinical scales. Why do we believe in what we see more than what our patients are telling us? So that's going to be the argument about clinical remission. So let's look at mucosal healing and, and, and what are we actually defining. So there's the Crohn's disease um, severity index. It examines four endoscopic variables. It looks for, for deep ulcers, superficial ulcers, the length of the ulcerated mucosa, and the overall length of the diseased mucosa, right? There are five sections, the, the ileum and four sections in the ileum that are scored. How many people are doing this on a regular basis? Most of us have probation. I don't even know what a probation note says when, you know, it says there was an area of mucosa that looked this and that, right? Some drop-down phrase, you put it in, and that's going to be your report. That's really what we do. We don't sit there doing a CDEIS, right? Um, and this is uh, a review by Simon Travis. I don't know how many of you know Simon. Very distinguished British fellow. He's got a beautiful accent. Therefore, you must believe him because he's very believable. And he says that as with all indices, the implementation of this scale requires both training and experience. Some of us, how many of us have really been trained and are very experienced with this scale? And in, in, in a premonition, as I said, Simon, very smart guy, says that don't forget Crohn's disease is transmural, which is looking at the mucosa. Maybe we're snookering ourselves, right? So I want to highlight that, and I showed you this data this morning from the Image Kids data, where, again, small numbers, still 151 patients, um, but almost 10% of those patients had mucosal healing, but still transmural inflammation on MRE. So we're looking at the mucosa, telling ourselves things are good, but maybe in the wall of the bowel where we're really interested, right? What are we really trying to do? We're trying to decrease the complications, change the natural history of the disease. So if we make the mucosa look better, have we really healed the bowel? Um, in many cases, it may not be true. So how do we really uh, measure uh, mucosal healing? Maybe that CDIS was too complicated. So the, the trialists came up with this simplified endoscopic score in Crohn's disease. But this one is only slightly less complex. Um, there are four items that we look at, again, in the same five uh, parts of the bowel. And so that takes um, 20 measurements that you have to sit down and put in your report. No endoscopist in clinical practice is going to be doing this on a regular basis. This is, this is clinical trial work. So uh, Simon again says primarily the mucosal healing definition remains elusive to both the pediatric and IBD communities as well as to regulators. So again, I'm willing to praise mucosal healing, but how do we actually know if our patients have it? And again, this sounds pornographic to me. I know it when I see it, but I'm not really sure how to describe it. And so I would propose that we should come up with the, the CDSDS, the uh, Crohn's disease um, Stormy Daniels score, and use that because is probably what it all comes down to. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm being unfair because I'm talking about Crohn's disease. It's a transmural disease, and we're talking about healing the mucosa. So let's talk about ulcerative colitis, right? It's a mucosal disease. Maybe this is where John has a chance to win his first debate. So there's the UC um, severity index. It's simple. It's um, simple to use in clinical practice. It only requires endoscopists to grade 
vascular pattern, bleeding, and erosion in the most effective area. It has multiple disadvantages. The extent of the disease is not documented. You look at the worst segment. So I could have two centimeters of proctitis and have a very high um, score, and you're going to tell me that's the same, and I should worry the same about that patient who has a, a raging pancolitis? I, I don't think so. And, oh, by the way, this score does not have a definition applied to it of what we're actually going to call a healed mucosa. We could just rate it. And there are no valid thresholds between mild, moderate, and severe. So, again, great concept. Conceptually, the idea of mucosal healing is fantastic, but how do we really employ it? Because in 36 hours, you and I are going to be sitting across the desk in our office taking care of patients, and I don't know how to employ this to help my patients. So, Dr. Kwan, our roving reporter, Sasha, here, um, is, is looking, he actually has an HBO um, um, show, I don't know if you've seen him, where he's going around America trying to find out who is really a gastroenterologist. And he wants you to look into the camera and tell us all that you actually use these scores every day in clinical practice. Don't bother, I know the answer. <laughs> so wait a minute, hold the Mayo. We have the Mayo score. Let's not worry about these complex things. But you know what? This has never been formally validated. Over, there's an overlap in the features between the different levels. And I've, I've been a central reader using the Mayo score. And I can tell you that even my own intra-observer rating was not as high as I really wanted it to be. I'll come clean about that. And the main place where it falls down is the moderate. So there's this normal, mild, moderate, severe sounds pretty good, almost like a PGA of, of endoscopy. And, and mild versus severe, I can tell, but one person's moderate is another person's mild is another person's severe is another person's moderate. So it can be very difficult. And again, we're only rating the worst segment. So is it really important to heal every single centimeter of the rectum in a patient with pancolitis? Um, and again, there's no validated uh, definition for mucosal healing. Mucosal improvement, you can use this for very well. I can compare the segment before and after therapy, but if I actually healed the mucosa, that has not been defined. And Simon tells us that the value of using the Mayo score is because it's simple. Well, I would put before us that what's most simple and most familiar to clinicians is taking care of patients, talking to them, and seeing how they're actually doing. And therefore, clinical remission seems to be the most important thing. And in fact, here's a nice outline of UC uh, severity scores, clinical scores, everyday common sense clinical scores of how your patients are doing. And I would highlight several important things. The, the simple clinical colitis activity index is reliable, it's valid, and it's been shown to be responsive and, and feasible. Um, the partial Mayo score discriminates between remission and, and uh, active disease. The pediatric ulcerative colitis activity index, which is a very utilitarian, very easy to do, common sense UC score has been validated and actually been shown to be valid not just in the pediatric population but in the adult population. And if you're really an endoscopist, it's actually been held up against endoscopy and shown to be very predictive of endoscopic findings. And, and going way back a thousand years is a true love and wit severity score, which um, perhaps Ben will tell us a little bit about also, and it's very useful in the prognosis of, of acute severe colitis. So we have some very good clinical scores that, that can really help us in taking care of our patients. So in summary, ladies and gentlemen, um, in, in support of using clinical markers for the treatment of, of inflammatory bowel disease, of course, I, I recognize that the science, the clinical trial work is really there to say to us what we really want to do is heal the bowel, and I totally agree with that. The question is when and how to best assess this. 
this. And that's the science that continues to emerge, and we all come to meetings like this to learn more about. But in everyday clinical practice, we have to focus on what's our patients, what we can measure, and what we can offer our patients on a very clear and easy-to-do basis. And at the end of the day, clinical remission is really what our patients want. They want to feel good, and they want to have an improved quality of life. And that's the art of medicine. And we all know that the real measure, the real clinical outcome measure that really counts is those press gamey scores. And if we make them feel better, we'll get scored high and we'll be great doctors. So I rest my case.